0: Welcome to episode 5 of Cave Woman Debugging. I'm your host, Laura, and this is a podcast talking about iOS development, and I have been thinking a lot about the purpose of this podcast. This is my fifth one. I figured I didn't have a super clear vision for it when I first started. I knew I wanted to talk about development and more technical topics, but I wasn't sure what my audience would be. I'm still not 100% sure, but in listening to some other podcasts and hearing people talk about the importance of mentoring and the desire to get more girls involved in technology or people who are maybe coming to technology late in life, I think this podcast can address a lot of the problems and questions you come up with as you start learning something new. Um, iOS and Mac Programming has a lot of stuff to learn, lots of APIs, lots of technologies, lots of new stuff. I mean, in a couple weeks, everything's going to be new after DC comes out. So it's hard to keep up and hard to know sometimes, I think, where to start. So my goal with talking about some of these topics is to take things that I've learned after playing around with this stuff for a while and trying to distill it into sort of smaller chunks And letting people know, well, look, you know, if you're struggling with this, maybe this will help you. Or maybe this is a shortcut to figuring out how to do stuff. So I don't know that that's entirely helpful sometimes just because if you sometimes don't go through all that work of figuring out how to make stuff work, then it might not stick. You might, next time you come up against the same problem, you're like, oh, I don't really remember how I did that. But I also think spending huge amounts of time on something where there's a fairly simple answer that you can learn from might end up being um, a good use of your time. So I'm hoping this is useful to someone and that it is a way just to be thinking about some of these technical topics because I do enjoy doing them so I want to sort of share what I've been thinking. So this week I am going to be talking about common design patterns in um, iOS and Mac design primarily ios just because that's mostly what i've been doing but most of these apply just as well to doing Mac programming as well i wanted to do a quick follow-up from um, episode three where i was talking about xcode plugins i want to remind you that you know apple keeps coming out with new versions of xcode all the time and be careful to update your plugins if you have a bunch of them even if it's just um changing the uid in there i had a bug where CocoaPods basically stopped working for me because it was trying to use the compiler toolchain from the command line, and the compiler toolchain was failing in a really weird, odd hanging kind of way. And that was due to the fact that it was having trouble loading the plugins, which is strange. But whatever, I mean, just keep an eye on them. If you have plugins, make sure you keep them updated, especially if you're updating to the newest versions of Xcode. Even if it's little dot releases, you still need to uh, re-update those plugins. So design patterns, this is a term I first heard personally in the late 90s um, when object-oriented programming was becoming more common and more popular. Um, And then there was a book called Design Patterns, Elements of Reusable Object-Oriented Software um, by what was known as the gang of four big names in object-oriented programming. It was an interesting idea, but I wasn't doing a lot of C++ at the time, I was doing mostly C low-level embedded programming, so it wasn't something that I could start using right away. But later, um, once I started doing more work on iOS and Mac and doing more object-oriented Cocoa programming, um, the idea started coming back again. And you can see it in an Apple's documentation. They talk about some common patterns, model view controller being one of the biggest ones. And th- there was a new book that came out called Cocoa Design Patterns, which I got by Eric Buck and Donald Yakman. And I really liked it. It really sort of spelled out some of the common use cases for using some of these these software components. So I find it's much more applicable now. I also noticed that when I was back when I was coding for the next computer, back when the sort of beginnings of Interface Builder and Objective C, a lot of these patterns were around then. This is not new stuff recently. I mean, Model View Controller, Target Action delegates, responder change. They were all there and they've evolved and they've become part of everything we do in iOS programming. So the two big ones I wanted to talk about were delegation and the singleton pattern. And I think they're interesting for (laughs) a couple different reasons. I think, you know, talking about IOS programming and learning to program and maybe coming to IOS IOS programming from a different platform or from not a programming background at all a lot of the times when you first learn to program you are writing small simple programs they're linear they you do this then this then this you print out a result you're done and it's very clear where things start it's very clear where things end maybe you have some state that you keep around as you're accumulating results before you print out a final result maybe you keep a few things around, so the different functions can call it. But um, it's pretty easy to see the flow of control. When you start going to iOS programming, it's a little less clear. I mean, there's good documentation now. So you, so you know, Apple's telling you, all right, you write this function here and this function here, and trust us, it'll all get called at the right time and in the right way. And you just kind of plug into this existing infrastructure and go for it. But it's less clear, you know, when when does my program start up? Who starts up my program? Where is you know, there's no more just plain old main. I mean there is, but it's not something you really interact with much. So it becomes less clear where do you keep state, where do you how do you communicate between the different parts of your program because it's not just one linear flow. You're being called from an event stream, you're being called at times when you can't necessarily predict it. So keeping having a way to keep track of things, um, becomes important and knowing a way to do it in a way that's thread safe and isn't going to leak memory and is um, it's elegant, you know and you're not just having lots of stuff around for no good reason. So singletons, they are a pattern where you basically ensure that you only create one copy of an instance of an object. They're kind of the new global variable, if you will. Apple uses singletons in their APIs. You have things like NSFileManager, you have a default file manager. Um, of course, I'm blanking on the other ones, but there's there's uh, quite a few. And often they're called manager or something like that. And there's no really good convention from Apple's code as to the naming convention for the, for the class method you call in order to get access to the singleton, but I encourage you to come up with one of your own. I've never really settled on one, I like to put the word manager after it. it usually I'm managing something, for example, preferences. I, on, I know I only want to have one copy of my preferences data around, so I have the prefs manager. And instead of making lots and lots of static functions on that, I make um, a shared instance, you know, a shared object uh, that you call, and you get. You call a class method, it passes you back an instance, and you're guaranteed that you'll only ever get one of those. There's you can look up a couple different ways of writing them. There are some ways that are thread safe. Um, some now use a new special dispatch once call that basically ensures that that code's only run once. I don't tend to bother with that. I just have a static variable that's initialized to nil in the static function, and I check to see if it's nil. And if it is, I create an instance, return you know set it to that vari- set that variable equal to it, return it, and good to go. I don't have for the most part my programs don't do things on multiple threads so the likelihood that that would get called from multiple threads is low so I just don't bother with the overhead of putting it in but it certainly can't hurt and if you google you know singleton design patterns you'll find a couple different ways I even have it as a snippet in xcode I tend to create them frequently enough I think that they are not horrible I think some people really try to go out of their way not to create them but I think if you don't decide to stick all of your state in there if you use it for things that truly are there is just one copy of it then I think they can be really handy and I find that most of my programs at least for the preferences data or some sort of other saved state I end up using a singleton pattern in order to have access to that object. The other pattern that I like a lot and have started using way more than I ever did before was the delegate pattern so this is where you have one object that is assigned a delegate, and that delegate usually conforms to some sort of a protocol where it says this delegate knows how to do these four things or whatever, whatever the protocol says. And you assign the delegate, and then any object can actually act as the delegate as long as it implements that protocol. This is a really great way to have two objects um, talk to each you know, n- be able to communicate with each other without having one... Um, Usually, the one that is has a pointer to the delegate without it knowing about who its delegate is. I find this comes up a lot when you are creating um, a hierarchy of view controller objects. So, if you have your first view controller and it pushes a new view controller, and you need to have a way of passing back some sort of state from the, the from the new view controller when it's done, it's you've done something, whatever you set some sort of settings, whatever. You um, notify the delegate. You know, you've know you assigned the delegate to be that initial view controller. It says, all right, I'm your delegate. And the um, view controller who's had its state changed can update the delegate it's like, all right, these things happened. It doesn't need to know the name of the view controller class that called it. It doesn't even know, need to know it was pushed by that view controller. As far as it, it's concerned, it could be any object. It's just implementing the protocol. And this is... A really nice and I think a really elegant way to handle this communication because you've got since you're calling methods you have good type safety you've got sort of built-in documentation by the fact that you've got methods with names and arguments and things like that I think when I first started programming I always sort of struggle with well wait how do I talk back to the person who pushed me <laughs> if I'm a view controller and I think I ended up having you know all right, I'm just going to know the name of You know, you have, add an extra variable, you know, parent view controller and cast it and do all those kinds of things. And you can do it. It's not horrible. But it ends up making your code less reusable if you were ever planning on reusing it. And I think it just makes it less clear... What parts of the parent view controller are there to serve as sort of entry points into its children versus its own functionality so I think when you put things into a protocol it has a really nice separation effect where it says look these are the things that I expect objects to be able to call for this particular set of functions it's it encapsulates it a lot more cleanly I think than and saying that this is this is behavior to be called by my by my um you know, as a, as a delegate and not just my own behavior. So I found that I used to use notifications a lot for something like this when I was like, well, all right, I don't want to have an explicit pointer to my parent, but I want to say, oh, look, this happened. Let me just blast out a notification. Notifications are really handy. I think of them like radio stations, basically. One person's broadcasting something, and anybody who wants to listen can listen. And they're fine. They work. Um, They're very handy in certain cases, but I think in this case, they are not a good fit because even though you can pass back information, it's not as type-safe. You have to basically know, all right, if I got a notification named to this, then the object contained in there is going to be an instance of this. It's just not as you have to be, I think it's a little messier, and it's not necessarily necessary. Um, You also have to worry about... Um, unregistering for notifications because if you've registered to um, receive notifications and then you get deallocated and you forget to um, no, unregister yourself, you're going to get some nasty crashes. It's also possible to register twice for something and not even realize that suddenly you're getting called twice and you don't know why. So I, It has its place um, and since it kind of is a design pattern I'll say the one place where I like to use um, notifications like that is in cases where something like my app delegate is getting called because someone's opened up a document that belongs to my file. So that that calling point into my program is at the top level. It's at the app delegate. And the app delegate knows that someone's given it the file, but it really doesn't want to have anything to do with it. It doesn't it's just the receiver of the message. So sometimes it will do something and then send out a notification saying, Hey, this just happened, anyone who cares, listen. And I will use it there just because that truly is know it doesn't know the state of the rest of the program maybe somebody cares about that right now so maybe somebody doesn't but i think notifications nice for when you just really don't care who's listening but i think it's a little bit of overkill if you do have sort of a a clearer relationship between objects and who they're going to call between so it's interesting looking back at some of my old code that's only like three or four years old but still um seeing how now doing things with protocols is much more common um, it's much more common in Apple's own API so I think if you can look at how Apple writes their apis and write your code to match that style not necessarily you know explicit coding style oh, that helps too but in this code this design pattern style I think you'll find it a lot easier to have your code interact with Apple's own apis because you're doing you're sort of in that same, Thought mode, you're you're thinking about things in the same way, and you're not trying to fit a like a square peg in a round hole. You're you're kind of on board. You've drunk the Kool Aid. <laughs> it's it can be sometimes frustrating if you really want to do something in a totally different way, but um, or a way that you're used to from a different platform, or you know, you came from X Windows, or you came from C Sharp, or something like that. Something that might be totally different. It can be a harder learning curve, but I think it's worth it to get. In sort of in sync with how Apple expects its own code to work, so therefore your code working that way um, is good. One last quick one I'll mention um, I don't know if it's a design pattern as much, but I find um, lazy properties, which is something Swift has introduced, but the idea that you don't create the value of a property until you actually call it, I find that to be a really handy trick as well. It's really good for saving resources. So if there's some expensive object you haven't you know you don't need yet you create it when it's called and the singleton pattern kind of falls into that case you know you're not going to go around creating all these global objects when you first start up they're going to get created the first time you access them so i think that's a really good way of avoiding creating a lot of stuff until you actually need it so i hope you enjoy writing more code and trying out some of these design patterns if you haven't already um, model view controller is well documented in apple's documentation and you can look up most of these terms um, to see uh, such a singleton or delegate to see examples of them apple's sample code is always good for that as well so thank you for listening i would love it if you would leave a review at the itunes store i think the more people who leave reviews it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast Um, or if you're listening on overcast if you want to recommend it that would be great any questions or topic suggestions can be sent to cavewoman at Until next time, thanks and happy coding.